right, Business is Bucket fans, we are live. I believe this is now business episode seven coming at you guys again right here in Ronan, Montana. Look at the beautiful mountain backdrop. I got my best friend, entrepreneur, uh, business owner of Hammer Strength Construction with us tuning in today. If you would like to say a nice word to the, yeah. to the fam here. So going on guys, Dakota Desjardins, like you said, I own Hammer Strength Construction. We're a residential construction company out of here in Montana. Um, excited to be here. Excited to dive in and get into it, man. Well, we're excited to have you. We'll be diving in, and probably I'll be learning a little bit just like you guys. I've known this guy, I mean, when did we first? Probably like seventh grade? Yeah, that's pretty so, accurate. Since seventh grade, his sixth long grade. Long time, long time. It's been a long time, and what's fun about these interviews and going through some of the things that you just don't come across in normal conversations, right? So we get to learn a lot from that. But before we do that, you guys already know, we got to talk field supplements. I don't know about you, but being sore after workouts is something I don't look forward to, especially when I'm getting back into a routine. That's why I'm thankful for my family over at Field Supplements for supplying me with all the essential products to combat muscle soreness, increasing recovery time so I can get back into the gym faster and feeling great. I absolutely love their essential amino acid BC, double, BCA and a hydration formula called Comeback. It's a plant-based fermented essential amino acid uh, mixed with BCAs and paired with complete hydration complex, including coconut water, pecan Himalayan salt, and electrolyte balance. I'll tell you what, I'm a believer. Their new flavors are out of this world, delicious. Don't just take my word, go check it out at fueledsupplements.com and use my promotion code uh, buckets for not 10, but 15% off all products, but whey protein. And like I said, if you're buying supplements, small business, right? People helping people, fuck the corporations. So uh, fieldsupplements.com, check it out. I share it on my socials. I know my, my good friend here, Dakota, he's got a little home gin that we get to use. Oh, yeah. uh, he uses his own supplement stack. Do you use something to help for muscle soreness and, and recovery? Oh yeah, mainly BCA, similar strains to what they got going on at Fueled. I've definitely used their stuff, good products uh, and great people absolutely yeah man i know uh from for us growing up here in the, these small towns we didn't get a lot of knowledge on supplements uh something you kind of had to learn yourself and now everybody can learn anything at you know the palm of their hands and it's nice to be able to to see um all the options that we have to help our fitness and health routine right but enough about field supplements now we get to talk to coda de Jarlet. um give us the proper way to say your last name Desjardins. Desjardins. I would say Desjardins because it's like a cinnamon, cinnamon. It sounds bougie, but it's French, and we're the furthest thing from high class over here. So, I don't know about you. If I could wake up and look at these mountains every day, I mean, I'm from here. I grew up here. You kind of take it for granted, but every time I come back, I'm in awe. Oh, 100 percent. Every time I'm having a bad day, I mean, you just got to take a deep breath take a step back and just look at what you have. I mean, we're so extremely fortunate to live where we live, have the views that we have, and man, it's just unreal sometimes. you Life gets so busy, you, it starts passing you by and you forget to just take in the little things like that, man. And it's, now that uh, all the Californians are moved in, now they'll watch this, there'll be oh, even more yeah, coming in. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Keep that business flowing, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, um, what we'll do is just kind of talk. I like to chronologically go through your history and your background leading up to how you got to the business. Obviously, you have some family ties in that, so just dissecting that. Because I don't think I've ever asked the specifics. I just True. knew that it was something that was an opportunity and that's what you ended up doing. Yep. 
Um, but first off, where were you actually born and raised, and where did you grow up from, just a little lad? So I actually, ironically, is enough bad enough as it is. I was born in Ronan, Montana, <laughs> but we were a little bit of, of nomads after that. Um, so we've got a little bit of you know diversity, some splitting off, some my family tree is so fucked up. It's I mean you can't tell which way it starts and which way it ends. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we left Ronan immediately. Went to Wisconsin, lived in Wisconsin for a handful of years. Where at in Wisconsin? Um, in Menominee, so that's uh, south of Superior. But uh, yeah, so we lived in there for a few years. Ended up ultimately moving back with my mom, still a little kid. Moved back to uh, Missoula, and then how old were you when you moved to Missoula? Uh, probably five. So you I don't went, really remember Wisconsin too much. I, I vaguely do, yeah. Not not a whole lot, like I said. But uh, so moved back to Missoula, went to kindergarten in Missoula, moved to the Bitterroot, did uh, first through third grade in the Bitterroot, and then ended up moving to Arley, which then I carried out the rest of my schooling there. But even though it was only four different places or five different places that I lived, I mean, geez, we bounced around, man. I had a single mom for a lot of years and uh i lived in 17 different homes till the time i was the age of 18 so you know i mean we we definitely did what we <laughs> needed to do to get things done but yeah been a little bit of everywhere but ultimately uh you know moved away but you can't help i mean the views like that just every time you come over the hills and you see those mission mountains it, it brings you back man yeah it's kind of funny uh you know obviously i haven't ask those specific questions but I knew you'd kind of moved around and you know I kind of have that same background and we both ended up Arlie not too drastically different times like I was no. in seventh grade when did you move to Arlie then I was 10 10 yeah so, so like, it would have been probably I don't know four or five years younger than yeah. than you moved there okay, yeah cool and um when you came to Missoula what, what, what kind of family obviously I know Shannon your mother but did you have a, another core family group here like obviously your grandparents were here when you were born I'm assuming that's why you were here yeah but did you who, who was the core that you were around with in, in Missoula at that time yeah so like my mom's my mom's uh, a lot of her immediate family was in the area up north here towards Flathead Lake um, and we you know we did our fair share of family gatherings and everything like that but my mom has always had just a good core of friends around her you know and that was they were always more more than just friends more like family uh same thing i consider you and i to be you know uh just a a friendship a bond that grew over years and i mean look at us now we're spending holidays <laughs> together you know we're I'm moving in yeah <laughs> we see we see uh see each other now probably i mean shoot this year's probably been the most in a long time like half a dozen times this year i'd say and uh so i mean that's that's really the bulk of it you know a little bit of love everywhere so it's been it's been nice it's been nice and now i know obviously know that you're not an only child you have some siblings so oh, yeah when we're talking arlie was it just you and the kai at the time and your one sister or oh no no so when yeah when my parents split it was my mom took me my dad left with his uh, new wife and that's how I gained my stepsister Lakai they moved to Billings and had another another uh, kid another daughter Kaylee and then uh, my mom remarried to my stepfather at the time 
and had my youngest sister, Noelle. So I have no actual full siblings. Um, so two half sisters and a stepsister. However, the stepsister and I probably act almost the most alike <laughs> out of any of them. But and they were all a part of the family when uh, you were in early. Uh, yeah, but right? no, yes, Noel's the youngest, and she's the only one that actually lived with me in Arlie. Everyone else was in Billings, um, but Noel is nine years, almost nine years, eight and a half years younger than I am. So it was a little bit different of a relationship. wasn't so much sibling at the time. Uh, it definitely is more so now, but at that point in time, it, I definitely felt like that big brother, almost more guardian type role that I I've, I didn't have to play but just felt like it was natural coming into play so obviously when your dad's played he's always been a Billings right or was a Billings oh uh, yeah the, the majority of my life did yeah. you feel like you had the siblings there even though you know like you're split up a little bit it's only five hours or six hours but did you feel like you had good connections were you able to like you know relate to them kind of grow up with them or did you feel like it was kind of I'm older brother until Noel was a little bit older and then you could have more of a bond no, I, I think I got kind of the best of both worlds. It definitely was um, a little bit separated. Like, I'd go there. We would try to do every other holiday, um, and then I would go there in the summer. So during the school year, it was, for the most part, I you know, I'd make my, my phone calls or whatever, but it was uh, me and Noel. And then so the rest of it kind of just, shut off my brain I got to live my life here in our Lee with my friends the family I have here and then in the summers it was all right I'm checking out you know I'm piecing <laughs> out I'm going to Billings and then I got to really engulf myself in that too so it was kind of nice because I got to uh almost feel like somewhat of an actor at the moment you know I got I got to live live two different roles and lead two different lives a little bit you know because it was two totally different worlds I mean my my dad's more of a you know, came up as, uh, you know, kind of like farming, ranching community. Uh, they were haying, they had cows, you know, they were doing chores every morning. And then on my mom's side, they're all, you know, more business world. I mean, we have tons of bankers to archaeologists to um, upper echelon of finance. I mean, we're all across the board, pretty diverse and educated family on that side so I got to experience a little bit of both which was cool so. yeah and when you're able to li live those two lives growing up do you th do you think it helped being able to go to two different places meet two, you know potentially two different friend groups have two different support systems do you feel like you know the saying takes a village to raise a child do you feel like you had a lot more support that way or was it kind of a, a weird balancing act and kind of just like a weird mix of day-to-day -day life Oh no, it was it was absolutely, you know, takes a village to to raise a kid. I mean, I was so blessed in that sense. A lot of people like it's it's so weird. It's weird to talk about sometimes because you get <laughs> I, I the, those that haven't experienced anything like that and don't fully understand it, they they almost want to feel sorry for you. You know, in the beginning when you're first talking about it and they're like, oh, you know, it's it's like you're telling some sob story. And it's, it's like, really? No, I'm not. I just was I was fortunate enough in my situation where I mean, shoot, I had probably four or five women. I called mom, you know, and, you know, it's mama this mama that. And, you know, same thing with uh, 
some of my best friends' dads and then, you know, my, yeah, like my own personal family being so, uh, so spread out and stuff. So I definitely, I feel more blessed than anything because I got to see all different aspects of life, all different walks of life. And it really, uh, you know, it just, it really contributes to, to shaping you into the, mm -hmm. the person you're going to be. Now, when um, we talk about being in our lead and growing up, you obviously had your dad, you had your mom, and your, you were living with your mom, stepdad, and younger sister at the time. Correct. That's when I met you. Yep. Do you feel like you, at, at that point, had, like, you know, obviously we're young, no one really knows what they want to do, but it's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or, you know, these are the people that I really look to as, like, my mentors or, like, the people that I look to as, like, inspiration, like, wow, they got to figure it out, I want to do these things. Do you feel like <clears throat> through that time you had someone that you always looked up to and like wanted to strive to be or or anything of that nature or like anyone that mentored you that you were like, hey, hell yeah, I got to be able to learn from this person? Well, I would say yes and no. Um, the whole mentorship thing, maybe not so much. Um, I definitely didn't realize it at that age, especially that I had so many successful people and the possibility of having so many great mentors around me, um, whether it was the lack of me reaching out or, um, you know, whatever it may be, that just didn't totally come to fruition. But um, at the same time, given that, you know, my mom and dad did split up so young, there was always kind of the, you know, you always, you always put your dad up on a pedestal, mm -hmm. you know? So it was like, it's just, another case of a little boy wanting to be like his dad, you know? And so, I mean, my dad being a contractor for now almost 30 years, he, uh, he was always a little bug in my ear. So <laughs> that, that was honestly far from what I ever necessarily saw myself doing, but me as a little kid idolizing my father and seeing the success he had at doing it, a part of me always would always thought, man, that would be cool. You know, just because I, I think I, I wanted to tap into something. The idea of the family business or something, some sort of skill being passed on from generation to generation. And, you know, where I take that now, I don't necessarily, that's not where I thought I would end up necessarily, even where I wanted to end up. But now I take a lot of pride in knowing that I am a third generation carpenter of sorts. And, you know, between just myself, my father, my grandfather, um, you know, we have almost a hundred years of experience between the three of us, you know, and there's, there's a, a definitely a sense of pride in that for sure, but it's far from necessarily what I thought <laughs> I was going to do. For so. sure. And when we look at, you know, going into high school, obviously you're still in early, we played sports together and, mm -hmm. you know, I was pretty close with your family as well. It was definitely a part of the, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. But when we look at high school moving on, I think we were one of the, like the last generations that the degree was such a big deal, right? Like, for sure. I remember like growing up as like, if you don't get a degree, you're probably working a nine to five or like some oh, bullshit sure. job, right? For um, sure. So for you, I know that you obviously went through schooling. You have the family business. Did you feel like through high school that you already knew what you wanted to do and that's what led you to construction? Did you feel like pressured that you wanted to go to school and maybe try something else? I mean, what what was that mindset like and how did you manage it? So for me, like I said, I was fortunate enough to have successful people surround me to an extent, whether it was near or far. Um, 
<clears throat> so a lot of my mom's family is in banking and you know finance accounting stuff like that the numbers side of thing more of the back end of of business and then um i've got my father's side which uh most of them i i honestly actually now that i think of it i guess my grandmother most of the men on my father's side uh, did some sort of trade none of uh very few of them off the top of my head uh went to into furthering any kind of education let alone completing it um so but so i always i always say like the one thing i hands down got from that side um as well as my mom is is uh work ethic and so that was definitely instilled in me in a very uh at a very early age um but i i didn't really ever see myself necessarily becoming a contractor that ultimately i think was just initially to become closer to my dad so i mean i i would go there in the summers and my dad i mean i i can really relate now and understand now the things he had to deal with and the decisions he was faced with because as a small business owner where you're an owner operator you're not just running the back ends you're not just pulling the strings you know you're you're doing the books you're um, making the phone calls setting meetings going up i mean as well as actually swinging a hammer and being on the job site every day that takes a lot of time and a lot of effort especially if you want to run a successful business or even have a shot at it (laughs) so i mean that's a that's a seven day a week job and you know as a little kid or even as a spouse or what have you you don't really understand those things until you're you're in those shoes and so i get that even more now that you know he was he was faced with a lot of decisions where he probably didn't necessarily want to have to choose work but at the end of the day that's what he thought was best to provide for his family and was running a successful business so it takes a lot of time a lot of effort and you know that's i mean in our industry that's just what it takes yeah absolutely but so when you were able to go to your dad's in the summer obviously he was building and then oh yeah did he have an employee crew usually oh yeah he had um i mean he's he's even branched out from construction with uh you know the last recession we had in 08 but um yeah i think at the peak in my childhood was up to uh between 20 and 25 employees at one time they were uh they were framing multiple houses a week and they did from the ground up they were digging their own their own foundations pouring all their concrete he uh he actually it's it's something i wish i could model but it's so much i feel like it's so much tougher to do now um just with there being less and less people i feel like in my industry that are specialized in a certain craft what he would do is take okay i'm gonna have 20 employees but each one for the most part you're always gonna have your handful of laborers um as many as he could had their own specialty they could bring to the table so all right i know that shane is good in concrete and i know that you know harry has been siding or roofing or interior trim setting cabinets whatever he would take one of those people that had that special skill and they would all come together frame a house and then just branch off all right it's time for you know it's time to do the flooring here you guys are going here okay we got to set cabinets and so it was uh it was crazy to see especially because from 
you know, the kid's perspective and just being on the job site because that was the way I was seeing my father was if I wanted to, if I wanted to have that connection and that relationship, I knew I was going to put on some (laughs) tool bags and I was going to work, you know? And that was, that was great for me though. Like I, I wouldn't change that for the world. Um, but they would, uh, you know, they would all branch off and then come together, but it was, it was unique to me to see because it always seemed like they were all friends too, which is weird. And that's like the number one people thing (laughs) people tell you in business, don't go into business with friends. But I don't know if it was just, uh, you know, the skill of the work environment where it just, it was a well-oiled machine everyone got together. So it just appeared like there was friendships or what it was. But, uh, but yeah, I knew from an early age that that was, that was how I was going to spend time with my father. And that's the only reason I ever even, you know, entertained the thought of doing what I do now. That leads me to a good question. Cause you know, I grew up farming and stuff too. And in Wyoming, not so much, but I moved into our league going into seventh grade. So like probably at the time where you could start partaking in work, right? Right. And, uh, you know, living in the city now, everyone's like, what do you do for fun in the summers? They're like, growing up there, there's like probably not a lot of stuff to do. What did you do? It's like, well, when the sun came up, I worked. And then when the sun stopped, we, we stopped working. But that was kind of fun to me because I was part with my family. I was involved mm-hmm. with them. We spent the day together and I had no clue. You know, there's no smartphones. There's no Instagram where oh, I could God, see all yeah. these things that everyone else is doing. That's all I knew. Right. And that developed such good, you know, work ethic and skills for me come later life. For you, when you went and saw your dad, was it a lot of the same? Like, cool, you're here. Like, yeah, you're here, but we're working. We're doing oh, yeah. this. You need to be involved. Like, talk to us a little bit about that. Oh, 100%. I mean, it was the same thing. You know, we were we we're uh, hanging and we're, my dad's big into horses. He likes to team rope, pack into the mountains. Uh, you know, so we always had livestock on top of it. But, yeah, that's what it was, you know. Um, you're going to, not so much in Billings, I feel like the bulk of, um, you know, like my changing pipe and a lot of that came from back home in Arlie and just, uh, friends with bigger ranches and stuff that we would help out. But it definitely was, you're getting up early. You're going to change pipe, change it, you know, however many hand lines you had. Cause you better believe we didn't <laughs> freaking have wheel lines or pivots or anything like that. And, uh, you know, you're changing your hand lines and then you're getting cleaned up for work. You're going to work and you're coming home and, eating dinner and you're going to do it again and uh you know and then a lot of times too like i said he team roped i team roped that was another reason the only reason i ever picked up a rope at the same time was because of him and uh you know so you're doing those things in the evenings and that's i mean to a lot of people when they really understand what all entails that you know that's more work than anything too uh but yeah no so it's it's definitely it's we come from such a different world in montana it's definitely um you know more have a more or less has a final frontier feel to it you know (laughs) in comparison to a lot of people i feel like or a lot of different areas that didn't get the same uh experiences that we did you know i mean when we were growing up it was all right well if there is the one and only street light anywhere near in the vicinity or, you know, a light up on a telephone pole, you got to be home when that turns on. It's we're kicking you out the door. You're going to go get dirty. You're going to go ride your bikes, go from house to house to house all over. I mean, shoot, we would ride our bikes freaking 15 miles in a day. It seemed like, you know, from one end of 
of town, which isn't that big, but when you're going out to somebody's property, then going all the way through town and back across to another property, you know, I mean, gosh, if, if I did that now, I'd have a damn heart attack, <laughs> you know, it's a, and it's no a heavy, speed, yeah. no gears. <laughs> one gear, it's heavier than hell. Got the pegs on oh, it to be yeah, cool. Dude. Like. <laughs> yeah, this isn't some freaking lightweight, actually sweet BMX bike. This is the Walmart special we're <laughs> yeah. talking here, you know, so freaking 50 pounds, you're doing everything you can to do to pedal it, let alone actually try to pick it up and move it. Yeah. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, When we look into that, I want to kind of put a day in the life because a lot of the viewers, I'm assuming, aren't grown up that way. And I never realized, like, changing pipe. I just feel like everyone knew what that was. But there are parts in the country where you don't necessarily need to change the pipe, right? Right. They have different water setups and things that they don't need to do that type of thing. And it's not as much agriculture focused, right? They're not trying to. This is Chada, the the house cat, anyways. She's the house (laughs) dog cat. Yep. But, um, you know, it, it, no one, not everyone around the country had lives that kind of lifestyle. So let's say pre-high school, like junior high, because in high school, I feel like we started getting focused into sports. You had kind of a, you know, we didn't necessarily have an off-season training, but you were like doing things to like try to better yourself or put yourself in a position to succeed, especially later in high school. Sure. So let's say like late junior high, maybe even early high school, you're going to Billings for the summer. Give us a day of the life with your dad. Like, what's, you know, like, we're getting in, we're working here, we're changing this pipe, we're doing this. Like, oh, what, what's yeah. a good day in the life right there? Okay, so a great day in the life would be we're, depending on the time of year, because like I said, the, the biggest thing that we harvested, because we weren't farmers, we, uh, it was just hay for the most part, you know, alfalfa. And so you would get up and, It'd be, you know, I mean, it depends on the time. I obviously probably feel like it was 3.30 in the morning, but, (laughs) you know, it was probably somewhere between 5 and 6, realistically. Um, Get up and change a, you know, handful of hand lines, and depending on the time of year, you might have been even trying to cut a little hay before work or uh, whatever. And we always, in the summers especially, it's so hot here and uh, dry heat, we definitely depending on where the job site is, the noise ordinance would try to start by like 6.30, 7 o'clock at the latest. And, uh, you know, go to work and spend all day. And might I mean, depending on the day, because it was so crazy, especially at that age, I mean, because mind you, I've, I've been on a job site since legitimately probably I was 10 years old. Yeah, I actively 11. Yeah. It was once my foot, because I'm a little shorter than you. You're yeah. a little taller than me, even right. as a young lad. Right. But. It's like once he could reach the pedal, we're, oh, we're plenty to work. Not even that. We used to fight. Not even that. So it's funny you say that because we had this old, uh, this old Ford truck on my stepmom's side of the family. And that truck was called Old Henry. And every one of us little kids, man, we just, that was like, that was the dream. It's like, okay, am I big enough to drive Old Henry yet? Because our, our feet couldn't even fit you know couldn't even touch the pedals no it was manual oh, yeah, are you kidding me Come we on. all learned via manual dude baby. i love it <laughs> as, as far as i'm concerned automatics didn't exist yeah exactly then, you know? exactly so but that was the funny thing is this is uh you know you're talking about like reaching the pedals and stuff like that we didn't have we didn't even have to it was literally if you were big enough to see over the steering wheel whether it was on your knees or whatever they would put in the clutch put it in first and just let the clutch out and the truck would just keep going and you got a flatbed trailer behind you. Your job was just to steer and try to go as straight as you could. If you ran over a bale, your ass was grass, you know, as they're picking up bales out of the field and stuff. And so, um, so yeah, no, I mean, been, been obviously 
at some level as much as we can be of help at that age you know been been doing it and around it for probably since 10 years old and then on a legit payroll as early as as it was legal to do yep um you know so been around it forever but uh but yeah it was just to an extent one way or another there's always you know you get home and then if you live on any type of acreage which we were definitely fortunate too and it wasn't always wasn't always that way and that's kind of why i feel like i lived two different lives because it was a totally different world i mean how much acreage did you have in billings uh depending on the spot because my dad was a contractor so i mean in the beginning he he started so young too so he uh in the very beginning it was a little shitbox house in (laughs) town you know or a double wide trailer or if you were lucky you know and but he uh he busted his ass he was able to um he started off when they moved over to billings working for another contract or another contractor and then was able to actually buy him out or they worked out some sort of agreement to where he took over and purchased that business and um he was able to actually build his first house at 24 so at that time i think that place was around 20 acres and then um got up to the point of where it was more like 40 and you know could get 55 ton of hay off of the property which still is not large by any stretch of the imagination especially from you know all the family friends that we grew up with and even your family and you know and uh that have thousands of acres (laughs) you know that's so much so much different but it's it's it was enough you know it was enough to where it's it's a long day I mean, yep. there's always something to do. There's always something Before to be done. Before school, or you got to—I remember oh, you feed the horses. Shit, you got to do dude. this. You got to. Oh yeah. <laughs> I just—I mean, I would legitimately. And if you didn't do it, you asked. Oh was my god! Yeah. Oh yeah. I literally—I had a written down itinerary for myself <laughs> after every day of school of X Y. Actually, not even X Y. Probably A through at least J or K on what needed to be done. And it was always expected. You're going to do it, and you're going to do it to what I think the level of, you know, expectation needs to be. And uh, and if I didn't perform, yeah, my ass was grass. It was uh, to the point where I would legitimately leave my key at home <laughs> and still hop on the bus. Because if I didn't go hop on the bus, I had to go to the bank where my stepdad worked and do my homework, and then he would proofread it check it make sure it was all correct you know and so that was miserable as far as being a a young kid that just wanted to go out and play with his friends so uh yeah i would ditch the key and say i didn't have it and ride the bus home and whoops sorry i gotta go run across the field to casey's house or your house or you know someone's so yeah just to get out of it and that was like the most freeing experience ever i don't have to do chores this afternoon it's funny because uh, we always talk. Uh, one of our friends had a baby, yeah. um, and uh, you know, to your point, we're BMXing, we're cruising to each other's houses just to play. You know, there's no smartphones, or you had the house phone, but we had like what? I probably had 30, 40 mem- no, phone numbers memorized, right? And oh, absolutely. The only absolutely. number I know now is my own. Right. Me too. <laughs> you know? Me too. But uh, you call them, you go to their house, knock on the door, can they play, do whatever? But it's funny because sometimes based on the situation you were free but your other friends still had chores to do always so then what was the outcome then oh (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. was uh 
not not sit here and wait till it was done it was like uh okay well you can go grab a shovel you can go do this do that and uh help his ass do some chores so you guys can go leave and oftentimes that's that's what it took you know especially if you were the friend of the group that had their shit handled already and then someone was a procrastinator oh yeah you're like cool i did all my stuff but i can't hang out with you until we do your oh stuff. yeah and, and we no need to name any names <laughs> but uh you know who you are yeah, exactly <laughs> but yeah no and the worst like you said no no cell phones and nothing but landlines and with everybody being so busy i mean you don't you don't know somebody's family could have just been out uh, doing chores 15 yeah. miles and they're not there <laughs> exactly exactly you tried calling you tried calling you wanted to play so bad and just get out of your house that you're like you know even if you're fibbing to your mom you're like hey they they answered he's there um, you know, you ride your bike way across town just to see if they're even there and you totally, they're, you get there and there's no one there and you're just like, shoot, yeah. do I try to call my parents to come pick me <laughs> up or do I ride my little butt all the way back? Yep. Yeah. It's good times. Well, let's, let's move on to high school. So okay. obviously you were involved in sports as, as well. I was, but through high school, did you always feel like you knew kind of what your path was going to be? You know, we kind of talked about the degree, the pressure, and we kind of talked about the family business, but did you always think that you were going to follow your dad's steps? Did you have ideas of other things you wanted to do? What was that kind of towards the end of high school when you kind of have to like, okay, what the hell is the next step? So to be honest, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. I always felt like, you know, as, as messed up as it is to say, I always felt like that was my, my fallback plan, you know? All right. Dad has a successful business. Um, you know, it's something that I don't, I don't hate to do. So if worse comes to worse, I'll, you know, pick that up and eventually, hopefully one day take it over or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was definitely, it felt like a, a little bit of, a little bit of pressure coming from both sides because he obviously was just urging me and he's like, Oh, if you're smart, you'll do it. And then. <laughs> And then, you know, I have the other side of my family and it's like, no, you need to go to college. You need to get your education. You need to do this, do that. So it was and definitely then, recommended through some of your family? <clears throat> uh, to not pursue? To to school. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, I never felt like there was much until literally I was about to graduate high school. I never felt like I had a whole lot of direction or um, as far as what I should do or like you know, trying to open my mind up to maybe some areas I may like, um, other than our high school home ec teacher, for some reason, <laughs> that lady just took a liking to me and God, I love that woman, but, uh, miss, I love that miss too, hour. She, Cause uh, I did that versus shop. It was like, right, you right. Oh, shop yeah, and oh, I yeah. always did that. It's like, dude, I, I do shop for freaking June through exactly. August. I'm not doing this shit right now. Exactly. I'm going to go bake some cookies, <laughs> yeah. you know? Learn how, yeah. She even taught us how to do the dishes right. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. So you do your career aptitude test. Uh, and I swear to God, she uh, she rigged mine because she told me that mine was I needed to be an interior designer when it was all said and done. I'm like, there's no way. There's I got like my buddies. Like I remember Damon Cordier is like, oh, dude, I'm supposed to be a fireman. And this person's <laughs> like, I'm going to be a police officer and all this. I'm like, God, that's just some like what I'm envisioning some manly stuff, you know, <laughs> it's like, all right, I'm going to be an interior designer. And now it's like, I mean, I still do that to an extent. And that's actually probably the stuff I enjoy the most is the creative side because whether it's interior or exterior, that's what you get the biggest reaction out of people. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's funny because 
the the concrete the framing it's the foundation of your home but no one really cares as a customer until you start <laughs> until i mean they appreciate it but yeah. nobody really cares until you part, start putting the lipstick on it oh yeah amazing. yeah oh my god yeah that 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 corner man that is so square <laughs> so level mm. no no they care about the freaking throw pillows and yeah, the, <laughs> the wall paint no but uh, but yeah, so I don't, I don't really think that I had, uh, you know, anyone really trying to tell me what to do until I definitely, uh, when I was graduating, oil was spiking, you know, it was all time high. And we just had had, that was another thing, you know, the recession happened in 08. So it was the housing collapse. So, so many contractors, um, <clears throat> you know, had been faced with the tough decisions of, do I sell everything? and just get out from under it or do i keep my neck out there and try to limp along and you know recover from this and <clears throat> my dad was one of those that he just barely made it through as well as well as my stepdad and that's another my current stepdad um that's another current inspiration to me um and he went through the same thing you know they barely barely made it through both of them were killing it at the time and would have you know were projected to be retired by you know no later than probably the age of 40 they were both in their mid-30s and already you know well established well on their way and it was it was in within striking distance and then the housing market collapsed so um i mean at that point just the business i mean and i obviously keep referring to my father just because as i am getting a little older and even entertaining the thought of okay this might one day be mine i am uh you know i was always around business so i knew what an asset was you yeah. know so i'm i'm looking at the things that the business owned and all the equipment and it's you know everything from a, a jumping jack to a front end loader <laughs> and a dump truck you know and and uh so there was a lot of things and he was uh you know in a good spot working working for cash eliminating the bank out of it and just right before it all happened got uh, persuaded to purchase like a 50 lot subdivision and that just was that was just wrong place wrong time basically you know and just luckily luckily escaped with for the most part everything intact but it was far from you know what it was and he totally had to rebuild and rethink and like so many others um that forced him into the oil field so at that point i'm you know a senior in high school and my dad's now in the oil fields he so is my my uh grandfather on that side both my uncles on that side my great uncle handful of cousins they all uh <clears throat> they all started their own trucking businesses <clears throat> And I think between between the, you know, half a dozen of them, they probably had, oh, at one point, I don't know, two to three dozen trucks over there. And, you know, we're, we're all just, I mean, there was, there was more money than you could think to be made mm -hmm. at the time. So that kind of shifted my thinking as well, as well as having influence on, on my mother's side also to, hey, man, like... I know some petroleum engineers and they're freaking killing it right now. You know, like six figures right out of college sounds pretty damn good. You know, $20,000 plus Should signing bonus. Like, one point in time, 
if you made six figures, like I made it, bro. If I can make Fuck six yeah, figures, dude. like that was like the <laughs> ultimate goal. As you know, like growing up, you're just like, holy shit. If I can figure out a way to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, I, like I'm set. Mm. I'm set. And now it's you know it's so much <laughs> yeah. different, so much different, so much has changed, and uh, you know it's it's definitely a whole different perspective now. But there was yeah, like I said, I I mean that's ultimately what I went it went in my freshman year of college uh four was petroleum engineering and um i was fortunate because i i actually knew some people in the industry too and could have uh could have probably brushed some elbows and and maybe uh you know secured some sort of of job right away especially when you know i mean shoot the price of oil was well over 120 bucks a barrel at that point and um, you know, and only getting higher. So that was one of the most lucrative jobs in the country at the time. Um, you know, so it was, uh, it was looking pretty good, but it's actually, I don't know if it was a blessing or what it was because by the time I graduated, um, or I mean, not by the time I graduated, because I, I didn't, um, some of my close friends that stuck it out, they couldn't get jobs or were waiting or had to take pay cuts. I only probably have a handful of uh, friends that actually stuck it out in petroleum that were able to secure a decent paying job at the time. So um, it kind of worked out that that didn't, didn't necessarily happen. But, um, but yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't, I mean, dude, I had no clue. <laughs> I had no fucking clue what I wanted to do. I just knew from a very young age that I won. I knew I had to work hard. I, I knew what I needed to do. Was I procrastinator? Yes. But I knew at the end of the day, it was almost a thrill because it was, I liked being under, under the, you know, under the gun and it's crunch time. Yeah. I could have gotten this done a week ago and yeah, it's due in the morning and it's 10 PM at night, but, uh, I'm going to crank it out. And when I still get a beer and a, I'm going to tell everybody else to suck it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it was, I, I had no clue, but I knew one way or another, I was going to do whatever I needed to do to be successful. And what university did you end up picking? So I went to Montana Tech in Butte, uh, which is the ore diggers and just a, you know, NAIA school, nothing crazy, but the biggest, uh, the biggest attraction for them is they had a no over 90%, uh, placement rating after college as far as uh getting graduates jobs so and it was in our area especially and with the Bakken just coming up at the time you know engineering across the board uh if you graduated with good grades from there you were almost guaranteed you know a job but i uh definitely got mixed up in the party scene because i mean Butte america likes to go hard <laughs> The place goes hard. For uh, sure. If anybody has heard of it, try out St. Patty's Day once in your life. That's something everyone should do. And uh, yeah, but uh, when there was, I mean, it's like any other college to an extent. You know, there's a party going on every night of the week. It's it just was and being for the first time, feeling like you're really away from your parents and getting to make your own decisions. You know, it was a whole new environment for me. I didn't know. I obviously didn't make the best decisions but was always I think the thing that crippled me the most was like I love where I came from I love a lot of the educators and teachers I had growing up but 
just the small town, there was a little bit of lack of opportunity and, you know, not as many advanced courses. So it almost aided me in becoming a slacker because I felt like I didn't have to try. Yeah. You know, it's like, why would I try when I can screw <laughs> off, play sports and still still get A's? Like, you know, I mean, it it definitely helps that I, I felt relatively you know naturally smart and uh but it totally screwed me when it came to college it was there was zero study habits there was it was just getting smacked in the face from day one to the point where my actually my freshman advisor she was actually also my um petroleum 101 professor she stereotyped the shit (laughs) out of me because of where i graduated from because i came from a res school and she flat out didn't want me first semester all my buddies and which granted i went there knowing no one i didn't have any friends there um but all the friends i had made were all in her her first semester petroleum class and she freaking told me (laughs) she told me at orientation before school started that oh you're from our lee yeah, we probably better wait and let you uh, let you try a couple of these other courses first before you get involved. <laughs> so second semester, second semester, I took her class, didn't even have to try hardly, and got an A, and that was the biggest hypothetical F you to her. Like, my, imag- my imaginary freaking middle fingers were just blazed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that was – that was definitely tough because I had that same mentality of, well, I can just coast on being smart, being naturally smart. I don't have to work at this, you know, even though, cause it was a, it was a different type of work, you know, from what I was used to. Cause the, the life we lived and the, how we grew up, it was <clears throat> almost, almost seen as you didn't work with your mind to an yeah. extent, you know, like it, you were sweating your butt off and you, whatever you could physically see that was work, you know? So I just, I took that to college and it totally, uh, yeah, to an extent set me up for failure, but I got a big reality check. So I went my first year there and realized that that just was probably not the best environment for me. (laughs) Um, so then I, uh, ended up getting in a car accident that summer and just decided that after, um, almost, losing my life um that you know i'm just gonna take at least a semester and enroll in the university of montana get a little closer to home and just kind of reset rethink try to figure out what i was gonna do and man i was all over the map it was shoot i was at one point i was like ah do i go into architecture do i mean i was i majored in petroleum engineering i minored in business then i at one point was pre-med um was uh exercise science um (laughs) finance um accounting like i mean the list goes on and on between i mean i only i only went to college for two and a half almost three years and i probably have the most decorated resume (laughs) of bullshit there is (laughs) you know i mean god but uh but yeah i mean one way or another i knew it didn't matter what it was going to be like i i was going to figure it out and I think that's what it was. I was just waiting, waiting. I felt like 
I felt like the world was just going to present this purpose in life for me. It was like one day I was going to wake up mm-hmm. and there, it was just going to be so clear and obvious to me. Like, this is what you're meant to be. And, you know, I mean, some people, they might, that might happen or they think it happens. But for me, what I've realized is that doesn't happen. Like, that's not the way the world works. You, uh, you try a lot of shit and you figure out what works and what doesn't and you roll with it, you know? And, um, so it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of decoration there and ended up ultimately, that's what brought me to Billings to an extent was I just was so not necessarily lost, but just felt like I was wasting my time. And mind you, I, paying university money, (laughs) but, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I was fortunate enough to have enough on scholarships that it wasn't really costing me a dime. And I almost felt guilty because I just felt like I was wasting this money, wasting this opportunity to where like, you know, it would have much rather, uh, the money would have much been much better spent on someone like you, you know, that knew what they wanted to do and was going after it. You know, I just felt like I was really trying to discover who I even was, (laughs) you know, it was like, sweet. So I can, uh, I have a fake ID. I can uh, go buy beer without my parents knowing and I'm just going to chill out and try to figure things out, you know? So it was a, it was a lot of discovery for sure. Well, it's funny for me, you know, just relating to it because I didn't always know what I wanted to do, but I felt so much pressure, you know, being an only child, not, I guess, having those other influences or the other family members around you. I just saw things that I didn't want to do. And I knew that the only way I could figure out something was making a change and like dedicating myself to it. Right. And it literally was Cole Maxwell, our football coach, math teacher. I talk about this. If you guys have tuned into my prologue episode, we were literally like senior year applying for scholarships or doing something in a class. And I was just like, I don't know. Or like, you know, give your top three major choices. And I was just like, I have no, you know, I'm scrolling through the list of majors. I'm like, this is so much bullshit. Like, I don't want to do any of these things. For sure. You know, I want to do something I enjoy. That's all I always want to do is like, I need to do something that I enjoyed. And he just told me you should work in sports. I was like, well, how the fuck am I going to do that if I'm not a professional athlete? I don't know, be a broadcast journalism major or something. Because you were a walking encyclopedia? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Knew the playbook. Like, they used to make us run sprints for the playbook. I never had to run any sprints. And then finally the coaches were like, you're the captain. You need to run sprints with them because, like. <laughs> I did one time. One time. As quarterback, you always have to know, yeah. you know, know the plays. I had to know who was blocking who and uh, what the route running, uh, you know, looked like, coverages, everything. But, uh. I didn't put my name on on my feet. <laughs> so you had to run. I had to run all of them. That's how sick and twisted our freaking coach was. You didn't put your name on. I was like, motherfucker, you know what my handwriting looks like. You know that's my sheet. If you're gonna pick anyone in this area with this third grade handwriting, to to pick them out, see who would have gotten all of them right. You're saying it's not gonna be me. I just don't have a name on mine. Yeah. So, twenty freaking sprints later. Oh God! And I can't even remember at that time were those tires or what was it at I think that it time? It was just sprints unless you missed X amount, then it was like more punishment. Gotcha. Because some guys would miss like everything. It's like, dude. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I know. Uh, but anyways, I was just saying, it's like sometimes you don't know what it is, and for me, it was just uh, someone that I, you know, was somewhat close with, but it's not like was a life person. For sure. They're just like, hey, this is what you should do, and it just like a light bulb went off. I was like, holy shit, I should do that. And, and that's where everything went to. So it's kind of funny how, you know, these different things, you know, we have two different sides of the story and how sure. two different journeys, but it was sure. literally just that recommendation. And now I'm not in journalism. 
right? right. You know, I'm right. using this journalism background to, to do what I'm doing now, but I'm in tech sales. So even when you do know, doesn't mean it's always going to be the path of, right. you know, the end goal, I guess you can say. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's funny too, because I can probably attest to that a little bit where it's, it's the smallest things that really kind of set you and make the biggest, you know, the biggest impacts and set you in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it always comes from unexpected places too. And that's why it's good just to have a good network of people because some people just see a little, little bit of something in you or something like, hey, maybe you should do this or, you know, you're good at these things, do this thing. For sure, for sure. And, and like you said too, I mean, I feel like there was a lot of that in our experience and how, you know, where we came from and it wasn't, I mean, yes, there was plenty of positive, uh, you know, influences surrounding us, but it was more a sense of, okay, this is what not to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to be that person. I don't <laughs> want to be that person. I want to have more than that person. You know, I don't want to struggle. I want to be able to put food on the table and, you know, not worry about my family getting evicted or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So... Now, when we talk college, obviously you went to Butte, you were doing the engineering. Did you think of other choices immediately at the time, or were, were you the one that was like, one, one school, that's the, that's the thing, that's what I'm doing? You know, I wasn't even sure on Butte, to be honest. I definitely, <laughs> like, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, uh, I just knew I needed to go to college. I needed to do something. I felt like I was would be wasting my potential if I didn't, and... Uh, my grandfather and my mother strongly uh, insisted that I, I went there because uh, they had one, I don't even remember the kid's name, but he was a handful of years ahead of me and had graduated from there and, you know, got a good job. And like I said at the time, oil was booming. So it just, they just kind of pushed me into it. And then, which is funny because the scholarship, like the biggest scholarship that I got for going there wasn't was for graphic design <laughs> i did a big uh a big basically like uh media like i had a bunch of different forms of media just kind of like a autobiography on on my life and what i wanted to do and um spritzed it up and my mom had come from a little bit of that background so obviously she helped me a little bit <laughs> and you know made it probably look a little bit better than I was capable of doing um but yeah so man I was all over the map I always had a had a creative bug but never really never really knew and that's kind of too I <clears throat> I always to an extent felt like throughout my life like I've been hiding in plain sight a little bit like everyone just expected that oh he's gonna be fine dude he's gonna go to he's gonna go to college he's gonna get a degree he might play sports he might do this he's gonna be successful he's fine so it was like not necessarily written off but like people just kind of mentally checked out so it was to an extent I never really felt like I had one person like telling me like well have you thought about this or like you're saying like what Maxwell did for you yeah. just as simple as it is that one conversation I didn't feel like I really ever like had that or at least to my memory of of okay what do you want to do what do you want to be when you grow up you know <laughs> like and try to pinpoint it so you can point in some sort of direction so yeah, I didn't really have an idea, so it was, it, I just felt like I was under the gun, like, oh, I, I have to make a decision. Like, we just graduated. 
so I did that, and then it was it was kind of more the ooh and the ah. Oh, you're going to engineering school, huh? And I was like, yeah, heck yeah. And so definitely uh, something that interested me. But uh, then, like I said, after after my freshman year of college, I got in a really bad car accident, and I feel like that just kind of kind of I don't know just woke up yeah oh totally (laughs) big time big time I mean like shoot you're you're 19 years old you think you know everything and (laughs) you just got faced with this super traumatic experience and now you think you're you're like you know religious or (laughs) whatever you know whatever you think you have of everything happens for a reason and this is the universe telling me something and I'm not supposed to be going this direction. And it's, you know, a total counterpoint and I'm going to pivot and do something else. So that in combination with a girl at the time, I think really <laughs> was like, yep, no, uh, uh-uh, I'm out. I'm uh, I need to be a little bit closer to home for, for now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I need a, I need a, you know, like the, what are the ankle things that they put on the house arrest? The house arrest? Yeah. yeah. House arrest. Oh yeah. <laughs> She was house arrest for me. <laughs> that was my ankle monitor. Now, um, for me, I, I stopped playing sports after high school. I mean, I still do sports, but not like, you know, it's all fucking like club sports or right. little leagues right. that anyone can do. Right. Um, but for you, you, you continue to play sports. You played in semi-pro football. So, you know, I assume a lot of the viewers are going to be, you know, high school kids, maybe younger kids too. Sure. They'll be viewing and, you know, th- those are some big decisions of sports and you know, my biggest thing is always, like, no one tells you as a freshman, like, dude, you got four more years of sports, especially, like, football or baseball, and then you're done. Right. Because you can't just, like, randomly get 18 friends, hey, let's go to this baseball field and let's go play some games. Or, right. hey, let's grab, you know, 22 kids and go play a real football game. Like, right. it's not going to happen. So, right. for you, what made you want to continue to do sports? Did you always want to continue to do sports? Where did that come from? And, and what had you wanting to keep playing? Well, I uh... – I definitely was always like, I, I was kind of, uh, had a little bit of pressure in that area, uh, put on me just, I felt like by some family and some community members, just because I, um, possessed a natural athletic ability and from a young age, I mean, to the point where my fourth grade teacher, he, I remember specifically because it was Mr. Pitts, he would take us out, um, and we were the only fourth grade class that got recess in the morning. We'd go out for 20 minutes and go play football. And he, uh, in front of the class, acted like I was in trouble. And he was taking me out of the room because we were writing up plays for recess on our on our football game. And he just used to tell me all the time, uh, he just, you know, what he thought my, my uh, ceiling was and where I was going and what I was doing. So I definitely felt like, uh, you know, I, I needed to go do something, not just for, for me or my family, but for, you know, other people in the community. And so, uh, I definitely always wanted to, uh, further sports after high school and, um, felt like I had the ability and just lacked the, uh, you know, the direction. And we just, I mean, dude, we, we didn't really have the resources at the time, you know, I mean, I would go to maybe one camp a year and it was like at that point, I mean, our families are, are doing the best they can just to keep clothes on our backs and, you know, and make us feel like we didn't 
want or need for anything. The last thing I'm going to do is, hey, you just sent me to one $400 camp for, you know, a few days. Can you go spend another $1,000 on me on this other camp? Like, you know, so we we did the best we had with what we could. And to an extent, um, you know, I feel like I definitely fell short, but I've always had the itch. You know, I've, I just, I love sports. I love doing anything athletic. That's why, you know, now I'm super into golf. Cause it's like, I'm like, all right, this guy's super in everything. He's golfing, he's mountain biking, he's boating. He's got the horses. <laughs> That's the one conversation I have with your wife. I was like, as we get towards 30 years old, we got to have just a few hobbies. Oh, we gotta have 10 oh hobbies. God. <laughs> it's yeah. It's bad. I mean, to put it into perspective though, I was the kid. My, my mom is definitely the biggest credit for that. She, she put me, she put me in everything. She was, you know, she didn't give me the opportunity to just say no to anything. It was, um, you know, she put me in soccer the very first thing, but I mean, through the course of my middle school and high school career, I, I played football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and I rodeoed. So, I mean, it, I feel like it was just ingrained in me. And at the same time, I feel like I can't sit still, you know? So it's like, I, I can sit around home for a day and then I'm just driving my wife crazy because she's just content. You know, she'll chill. She'll be fine. We're busy. But oh, we're yeah. Not busy. We're bitching, oh, yeah. We aren't busy. <laughs> yeah. In case you didn't catch that, just like the bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but, yeah, so, I mean, um, so that was just the way, like, I, I went, so – after I went to Billings because it was uh, some strong influence when I didn't know what I, what I wanted to do. I feel like my father maybe preyed on that a little bit and was like, well, you can uh, come over to Billings and still go to school and work with me and learn the trade a little bit more, you know? And, uh, and cause at that point he had already uh, basically dissolved his prior business that was extremely successful and went to the oil fields and then was kind of, you know, at that point, the, the housing industry was, was recovering. And, um, you know, a few years later, that was like 2013, 2014. And, um, so he was, he was getting a lot of his old contacts. They're calling him, asking him if he's still, you know, building houses, what he's doing. And, um, so me lacking direction, I went over there with my girlfriend at the time and I think we went for Thanksgiving and he just wrote a number down on a piece of paper, slid it over to me and told me, okay, this is what you could make per month and be going to school. And I'm like, dude, that's more money than a lot of people, you know, my age were making right out of college. Well, long story short, that was over promise under deliver. <laughs> that was not the case. <laughs> um, but it still got me over there, you know? So I was going to school for, was that my third, my third university at the time or college. And at that point I was uh, doing business and finance and having to do a lot of cl classes online, only doing a handful of classes actually on, uh, on campus because I was working full time doing 50 plus hours a week. And, uh, so I have always, well, not always, actually a friend that I met in Butte really got me into lifting. And I mean, to the point where I put on 30 pounds my freshman year of college. And um, so I, I had already gained this new love for working out and lifting weights and 
um, you know, and so some of the guys that Where'd I had that go. <laughs> it's not here, I promise. Um, but you know, some of the guys that I had just casually bumped into and met um, at the gym, you know, they're like, "Oh, you should come play rugby. You should come do this. Come do that." Well, one of the dudes that played rugby, um, I went and uh, and went with him and did their little tryouts, which wasn't a tryout. If you showed up, pretty much you were playing. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know, how it works. and uh, and so went there. But then I found out he actually um, had went. Uh, the University of Wisconsin Madison, which is uh, you know similar area. A lot of my family on my mom's side's all from Wisconsin. Reminds me of Missoula. Totally, like totally. It's got that vibe, you know, all the leafy trees and just the low key casual streets. It's a beautiful place. Um, but so with family of Badger fans, you know, and he, uh, so we got to got to talking and stuff, and I found out he played for the semi pro football team in town. And I had kind of heard about that, wasn't really sure, knew that in there, I'm like, what the hell is semi-pro football? I'm like, really? Like, you know, just kind of brushed it off, brushed it off. ESPN and then, ate the Ocho. Yeah, pretty much, dude. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, he kind of brought that up to me, too, because, I mean, I, I definitely thought, thought rugby was cool, but I didn't totally think I was man enough to play that sport. So you were always a kind of yeah. that's why played QB. <laughs> so, so I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll try this other thing out first. <laughs> and uh, no, so he, so we, you know, kind of talked about it, and then it just it was eating away at me, eating away at me. I'm like, you know, I just, I need something. I need something different right now. Something to relieve some stress. Something to scratch that itch. You know, and so. I just finally said screw it and I went to one of their practices and took it way too seriously in the beginning. <laughs> um, but it ended up being one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. I met some of the best friends that I could have ever asked for, um, made lifelong connections and just had some of the best times and played, uh, I mean, as surprising as it would be, played against some top tier talent. I mean, it's, it's all dudes that are, like myself, still trying to live the dream, you know, and a lot of ex-college players and um, even ex-lower-level pro uh, coaches and stuff, and so that definitely took it way too seriously also. Uh, but it was, it was an awesome experience. I mean, it wasn't – we traveled, you know, as far down as uh, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, uh, played in Idaho, Washington – um, and then we also played against some arena teams too. And so it was, it was, uh, it was a great experience ultimately partially too, because it, I met my wife, which <laughs> hands down the best thing that ever happened to me, through, but for, uh, through pro football, semi pro. Football. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that happen? I was you the Jack, I was the Jackie moon of semi pro <laughs> football, dude, you know, I just didn't kiss balls. <laughs> um, um so no it was i actually became friends with her cousin that had also played on the team and um not through him but through his parents was introduced to my now wife and she totally just blew me off right right at the beginning it was just like i don't know if she was just trying to check my ego or <laughs> what she was trying to do um i thought i was a complete gentleman but uh but yeah, I was able to meet her. She blew me off the first time, and then I feel like I made 
a good enough impression the next time that we got to meet after an away game. And I mean, anytime a girl will stick it out after you've been doing fishbowl races and stay with you the whole night, like, you know, you got something special. (laughs) (laughs) You wipe that up right now. Semi-pro with fishbowl races. Oh God. Living the American dream. Yeah. So no, that was a, that was a great experience. A lot of good friends, a lot of, a lot of good memories i mean yeah it was it was wonderful wonderful experience uh we actually some of the guys that i played with um are coming up next weekend for a music festival so it'd be good to see them um but yeah it was just a just a great way to get to still play sports and have fun and did you think that would ever lead into something else did you want did you have an idea of wanting that to happen or was it just like I'm going to soak up every moment I have that I can do this. Pretty much. It was pretty much the, the latter. I just, I, I knew that. I mean, they're always, it's like everything you would imagine. They're trying to gas you up, trying to tell you, oh, yeah, we've had this many players, you know. We've had one guy in the last 10 years actually get a freaking <laughs> pro, you know, a pro tryout or something. And, and I definitely played against some dudes that did end up getting picked up, but they're, you know playing for byu and stuff like that out of college and they just made some dumb decisions kind of thing you know it's not like this is a stepping yeah (laughs) totally 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 yeah we're bringing you back to the light this isn't like this isn't training camp to try to prepare you for the nfl you know um but but yeah no i just it was just another way to get out there and have fun and get to play the sports that you love you know so we talked about your sports sports background. We talked about you, you know, different degrees, different universities. Obviously, you ultimately ended up staying in construction. I mean, as a contractor, construction person, do you like to label it as construction, or should there be a different name there? Um, I mean, that's that's typically it's the most. I mean, I as of now, I would say I'm a custom home builder. You know, uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I, that doesn't bother me. Construction's construction. So all forms of it. Was it that you were able to spend time with your dad that summer and he talked to you about giving you some more in the trade that had you want to, you know, stick with that? You made good money and make it your own business? Like, walk us through that. Yeah, so I think initially it was definitely, um, you know, again, just another experience or another opportunity to be around my dad because we had very limited time growing up. Um, So there was that. There was a draw to that. And then the potential to make good money like i said there was obviously a young kid your flash dollar signs of you can make x amount of money and it's like holy shit hell yeah sign me up you know ready to sign your life away it's like Um, my painting business they literally brought flyers out to the university yeah and said do you want to make ten thousand dollars this summer and out of school i was like ten thousand dollars and i thought i was painting (laughs) when i first started it i didn't know i was gonna you know and made way more money but Sorry to interrupt, but it's just funny. But, but yeah, no, so that's that was ultimately the draw. And then, um, you know, it was it was tough work. It's it's still tough work, but I was still going to school at the time, uh, you know, working 40 to 60 hours a week, going, still doing 12, 13 credits. Um, all online? Not all online, for the most part online. I think I had one class at that point, only one class on campus, but for the most part online. And it was, you know, you're just, you're trying to do homework super late at night because you worked a long day. Um, and it just, it just felt like it wasn't really fitting into my schedule. And it, it, it kind of almost 
felt like my career had already started at that point. So, and that... Because you and your dad were in the business together. Correct. Correct. Yes. So we were partners in the business. We were um, doing well. Um, and at that time, you know, it, it definitely helps. Like he, like I said, he had already been an established contractor in the area for decades. Um, so I definitely feel like he, he felt like he had to kind of start over a little bit because now he's going back to actually doing the, the work. The groundwork. Yep. And being on site full time. Um, but like they, it was also, you know, an excuse to try to build a father son relationship and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, ultimately what, what kind of propelled everything was, like I said, I was, you know, working full time, going to school full time. And then I, I just, I started looking at the money that I was making and realizing the potential for the money I could be making. And then comparing that to my peers that I already knew had graduated and had an idea what they were making. It just, it seemed obsolete. It's like, I am not necessarily throwing money away, but I'm spending more money at the time when I already have firsthand uh, you know, experience to go off of and learn from to where I can work and essentially get educated at the same time and, uh, you know, gain a lot of that education on the job site. So ultimately I just finally said, you know, enough is enough. I'm, I'm just going to cut ties and I'm going to, I'm just going to, with a full head of steam, just attack this, you know, cause I, do you I feel like you do that when you start things, you just kind of addictive personality to jump all in or oh i i definitely do i like i think i do initially i think right in the beginning i am so gung-ho we're gonna do this we're gonna do that like you know <laughs> this is awesome 100 <laughs> percent. and then reality sets in you know and you you get that kind of you get that uh that check and the first ebb and flow Big time, big time. So, yeah, then that definitely happened. And then, of course, you know, you're second-guessing yourself. You're, oh, my God, did I make the right decision? I should have stayed in school. I should have done that. And, uh, you know, luckily I have enough people in my life that I could kind of have bounced some stuff off of and <laughs> talk me through and just be like, you know, like, just chill out. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And then ultimately at the same time, like I said, I still possess that, that drive to – to be successful didn't know what it was going to be how it was going to happen but i was going to be successful and um so i think the first thing that really really did it for me too was i was i was starting to get positive feedback from customers on my personal ability and the things i was doing regardless of you know outside of what my father was doing or what anyone else was doing that was working with us and so i think combination between that and then somewhat almost not necessarily feeling like a legacy but like feeling you know like you came from something good and not having that really before didn't really have that that connection of you know i mean especially where where we went to school it's like shit half of our classmates and stuff you know growing up it's our teachers are like well I taught you, I taught your uncle, your father, your grandfather, you know, whatever. And it's like, I never, I always felt disconnected to that as I'm sure you did too, you mm -hmm. know? And so it was like my first real experience with that. And it was like, holy shit, like I belong. And that's, that was the first time I felt like, all right, maybe this is what I'm meant to be, you know, meant to be doing. So that's what I think ultimately just was like, all right, I'm, I'm just going to go for it. Like, 
and I also felt like I was I was witnessing other people be successful in the, in the industry, and I, I honestly I felt like they're dumbasses. I'm like you, yeah, you're. I mean, you own a business, you do the taxes, you do the book work, but you have no fucking clue what's going on day to day. You know, I always thought there needs to be a test or a requirement. You need X amount of on-site, you know, education and experience to even become a general contractor. Mm -hmm. And so I think like there was in the back of my mind, I mean, granted, like I said, I was young, you know, at that point I was only 20, 21 and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to be way better than this guy, you know, just the, the internal drive of just one upping everyone I was seeing and (laughs) feeling like I was hot shit, you know? So that definitely, I think is what kind of propelled me into it. I'm glad you bring that up because, <clears throat> I mean, I was never told how or what to do. I kind of, you know, my mom was kind of free spirit, let me do my thing because I felt like she felt from a place that she just wanted to make sure I was needed what I need to, but she felt like I had a good enough head on my shoulders that I could figure it out right. and wanted to make let me make my decisions. Sure. <clears throat> but in everything that I did, you know, it's you know, sure we do have confidence, we do have some ego, but the idea of that you see someone do something and that they're doing it and that you know that if they can do it, I can do it. Sometimes that validation was all I needed. Right. I could even put that to physical activity. Sure. And wrestling, when we they made us do the peanut marathon, which was just a psychotic thing that just randomly came up. Hey, let's run stairs for two hours because Jake Santos said that I could run stairs longer than Jared. And Jared's like, no, I could run for you. He's like, well, I'm going to run for two hours. And then it became an annual thing. Right. And as a, you know not perfect shaped kid with the smoker of a mom and you know not having the best cardio and everything else that was like the worst thing in the world and i if you would have asked me can you do this i would have been like hell no but i was watching other people in the room that were doing it and i was like if this motherfucker could do it i can do it i was able to do that for sure in journalism it's like if this guy could do it i can do it in sales like damn this guy's doing it i could do it and sometimes that's all the validation that we need that it's like hell yeah let's let's fucking do it and that's a killer's mentality though Mm -hmm. that's 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 you're setting yourself up for success i possess that same thing it's you know i i now understand and have for quite some time i know i don't know everything but if i don't know it i'm gonna figure it out i'm going to figure out how to do this this and this and i'm gonna so do put it. the time in yes. and we have the work ethic 100 percent. and those are i mean that's the foundation yep. that's the foundation for success it doesn't matter what industry you're in you can't you can't teach work ethic you can't teach motivation to, you know, you, you just, I mean, it's, it's like anything. You just have to be willing to You can teach it. You just make the kids work on a farm at 5am. Right. Oh, right, 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 right. But I'm just saying it, there's a, there's a different level of it, yeah. I guess, you know, where it was just kind of instilled, you know, at a very, you didn't even age. realize that we worked harder than everybody. Like, especially oh, where it comes from, cause we all did the same shit. It was just like hundred percent. Yeah. And you didn't realize like the impact that those little things like really had on you and although you hated it in that <laughs> moment you know it, it made us into who we are and gave us the the drive and the determination and the fear of becoming like that next person that we didn't want to be like you know to excel mm-hmm. and that was also part of it too is that was another fortunate thing um you know it's being able to learn from other people's mistakes Yep. is why why should I have to learn and make those same mistakes? And that also pissed me off 
as a young up and comer in the industry because it was so old school you know it's it's all right well you you have to you have to uh, earn your keep you've got to um, you know you've got to work for X amount of years to be worth X amount of dollars and I'm like this is bullshit I'm 20 21 years old and I know more than this dude that's 40 years old or plus you know this is bullshit why do I have to why do I have to limp along making minimum wage or not even minimum wage but still what I consider to be shit freaking money <laughs> you know when I know more than the dude that's supposed to be my boss you know and granted I didn't have a boss at that time but you know and then uh, and then those guys always they had a tough time with it because nobody wants to be bossed around by somebody mm-hmm. half their age you know but that was also that was also a drive and that that just irritated the shit out of me but will you twist this mic up like mine is straight up look at this twist perfect it's doing better um when we talk about that obviously being with your dad through all those summers you know, obviously, we were talking about how we've, you've been led to that and where you excelled and what your mindset was. For sure. But did he ever task you with, like, little projects? Or did you ever do little projects that you did that you talk about your design and creative background that you were just like, hell yeah, I'm doing some work that I could do. And then later in life, you're like, I, I definitely can do some things. Or did you always just get done with, you know, the, hey, we need to build this house, we need to do this. Did you ever get to do some little side projects that had you as a young age, like, thinking that way? or? Um, yes and no. I was more like, I was always a hands-on learner, but I had to kind of develop into being uh, uh, more of a spectator and just learning from watching somebody else do something. And, and um, you know, he was always pretty good at that. He was, he had an eye for being able to see something when it wasn't there. And I definitely feel like I inherited that. Um, so that combined with, the creativity of my mother because she is just probably one of the hardest if not the hardest worker i know and extremely creative and she is phenomenal at that in herself in her own right um so i don't i didn't necessarily get tasked with you know other side projects and stuff like that it was just kind of learning as i went and you know occasionally getting the opportunity to do my own little side job and even then, I'm like, holy shit, I was underpaid. <laughs> you know, <laughs> For sure. like you thought you were killing it. And yeah. It was like uh, he was just making a couple thousand bucks off the top on yeah. me, and I just killed myself yeah. in the weekend after work. You know, but um, but it definitely it, it was all learning experience. You know, like you gotta you gotta do some stuff the hard way for sure. So then, what led you to running your own business, coming back out this way? So you met your girlfriend at the time. That's now your wife. You're playing football, you're doing school, you're, you're doing the business, you're learning that school is not what you wanted to do. How did that like next step, like, hey, I want to start doing my own thing, come, up, come across? Um, well, part of it was being young, and part of it was working with family. Like, I, there was a lot of tough days with that, and a lot of, uh, a lot of controversy, a lot of arguments, a lot of just heated stuff going on. How old are we at this time? Uh, probably 22, 23. Just cocky son of a Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> totally. Like, my, my dad's a big dude, and I'm like, would roll up on the job site, and he's flipping me shit and being kind of surly, and I'm just thinking to myself, all right, 
if I hit him, I got to put everything I have behind it. Because if I don't knock his ass out, I'm dead. <laughs> you know? Um, so ultimately that, we're just, we're, we're too much alike, you know? And, and a lot of that was, obviously we shared DNA, but he, <laughs> he, you know, he had kind of trained me to think how he thought. And it was to the point where, and it still is, because we still will occasionally, you know, do something will help help out a you know mutual friend or family member or whatever and it is in those brief stints it's nice because it's like the other half of your brain is working you Mm -hmm. know you don't even have to talk and because you're already thinking the same thing and often you know you're both going for the same tool or laying out the same you know wall or whatever it may be and um and so but ultimately that ended up just proving to be too tough and too too much of a situ you know a difficult situation and i was to the point where you know i was getting i was getting serious with uh with my wife at the or, you know my girlfriend at the time and i at least knew at the moment i mean as cliche as it is i mean i told that that girl i loved her after two weeks like i knew she was going to be the one so um I knew that was going to get serious and kind of, I wanted to branch away, you know, I was as good as I thought I was and was becoming, um, you know, I've always, I've, even though, even though I've had, you know, a very decorated, um, upbringing or life up to this point, I've definitely had some advantages that I probably could have used. Um, but I never wanted to, I never wanted to, um, say, oh, I'm this person or I'm related to them or I know them or, you know, I, I've wanted to pave my own way. And I think I was just ready to do that. It was, you know, we're definitely arguing, struggling. I thought I, you know, I was really thought I was getting screwed over at the time. And it was, you know, it was just time for change. And, I was, uh, you know, I just told myself that I was, felt like I was doing the majority of the work and should be compensated for it. And then you have a man who's been doing it for decades, you know, now at this point and is checking this 20 something year old and saying basically just, you know, like, you know, uh, fine, do it your way. You can go. And I think part of him probably wanted me to fail, but, uh, I also knew that I wasn't I wasn't going to ever accomplish that and achieve that by staying in the same place that he was. So. Was that all internal motivation, or did you have external parties also like, hey, you should try it? Um, I mean, obviously he said yes that and to... no. I think it was mainly internal. I had I had other basically what I had was I had other companies that were trying to get me to come work for them and run their run their crews, and so that's what they were trying to tell me is like, you know, hey, why? why stick with your dad you should come be my main guy so i don't ever have to freaking step foot on the job site you know and i'll pay you this much do this for you provide you with this and then i started you know at first it was like oh shit yeah that sounds pretty cool and then i started looking at that person and you know seeing what they had and where they were at in life and i'm like you're so far behind the ball i'm not going to come work for you when i feel like i can do your job you know and yeah to an extent it was probably arrogance but i was I was ready. I was ready to, not necessarily saying I was ready to perform the job, but I was ready to bet on myself for sure. Fell forward. Fell forward. You have to. 
you have to. I mean, you're obviously going to swing and miss, but it's you got to learn from it and not make the same mistake twice. And that um, it definitely did help, though, my my current stepfather. Um, you know, he had a lot of the same experiences as my dad was or as my dad did. And then he was a lot easier to talk to because it wasn't my dad, you know, so. I got to have the conversations, ask the questions about, you know, where he fucked up in life. And, you know, and that has really, he's kind of, between he and my mother now, they're probably my biggest mentors because I get to live with his experiences. And then I feel like my mom just kind of resets my brain, you know. Um, But so I think the combination of those guys definitely helped me want to move back towards home too and I mean this view never hurts you know (laughs) so it was more I just felt like I was was not leading a good quality of life my work situation wasn't great and my you know at the end of the day I felt like I had the choice to stay there and possibly you know could potentially still do well but possibly ruin what relationship I still had with my father or move away, do my own thing, bet on myself, and still, you know, try to salvage that. And it ended up being the best decision I ever made. So so we'll dive into that. I was going to ask you your favorite part and your least favorite part about working for your dad, but you already, you already nailed that, so yep. good job. But when we think about that decision, did you ever, like, feel afraid of it? Did you ever start thinking of other options outside of construction, or was that simply it? 100%. At one point, I think... I was going to be, um, I had an uncle that was working on the North Slope of Alaska as an electrician. He's a master electrician and, um, just working for a huge company. And, you know, it's just like, man, I could, I could probably get you on and into the apprenticeship program. So I, I, I've up until probably a few months before I left, I was thinking I was going to become an electrician or, you know, or, and then constantly my mom's always telling me, Oh, just go back to school. Just go back to school. But still I had, I had no, I had no no clue what I wanted to do because as much as I wanted to fight it, I did, I did uh, ultimately like what I was doing to an extent. Mm -hmm. I like, it's more satisfaction based for me though. Like I like seeing the reaction of the customer. Because what I do, you can you can physically see what mm-hmm. we have done, you know. And so that's what got me hooked and kind of brought me back and then um, ultimately just allowed me to go for it. Granted, when I moved over here, I wasn't doing it initially. I went to work for my stepfather because I'd been gone, you know. I'd been gone for six years from here, and the only ties I had in this area were all personal. You know, no one, no one knows what my dad did or his quality of work or what to expect from me. So I had to kind of start from the ground up and build those relationships and, um, build a reputation, you know? So I was doing HVAC, (laughs) found out that freaking sucked. (laughs) I didn't know you did that. Oh God, dude. Sweat my ball sack off. In attics and crawl spaces. My poor stepdad still does it. Lucrative business, but God, not my cup of tea. Um, Anyway, but yeah, so I was doing that and then just doing side hustles, you know. It would 
be, okay, I'm going to go do this deck for this person. I'm going to go side this house in the evenings and on the weekends and after, you know, after work. And, um, and then my wife ultimately, cause she was a teacher when we were in Billings. And then we, uh, we kind of just have been taking on new things and just all of life's experiences at, you know, one time. We had just gotten married when we moved here. We're moving across the state. She had never lived over here, didn't have, has some family close by, but not a ton. Um, we both were starting new jobs. She had a degree in history and then um, interviewed for a, uh, a position over here. Didn't get it, but they liked her so much, they created a position for her. She had to go get her special ed endorsement. So then she's going back to school all along while she's been trying to do her master's. And I am working for my stepfather, which I didn't want to do, and trying to get back to being self-employed because I had already gotten a taste of that and knew ultimately that's what I wanted. Once you once you get a taste of entrepreneurship and being self-employed, you will never go back. And I've I couldn't get back to that fast enough. So she she ultimately kind of pushed me and just told me like you need to do whatever it takes to just get back to that because I was, you know, not happy where I was at. And to a cent, and to an extent probably even felt like that was beneath me at the time, you know. So, um, but yeah, it, it probably took me, I had started my business, uh, my current business at the time, but it had probably taken me another at least couple of years to get actually up and running when I was just doing that full time. How were you able to manage so many things in the fire at the time? Because how old were you when you guys moved out here and got married? 24. Uh, so it's, yeah, you could say it's a young marriage. Maybe it's not. It's a decent marriage. But, you yeah. know, young person being married, trying to manage your personal life, then going into both of you guys managing new careers. What, you know, how were you able to manage that? And did you ever have, like, some back-against-the-wall moments where you guys both had to, like, help each other? Do you guys feel, do you feel like the relationship helped you pull through that? Like, give oh, us some details there. Oh, 100%. Like, we... Cause I'm assuming we'll have some listeners that are some married young couples that oh, went yeah. through some shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, uh, all our family, just on both sides, just thought we were nuts. We're just like, holy shit, you guys just are taking on too much too soon, you know. And it was it was a struggle. It's you know, I mean, shit, marriage alone is tough. And then you try <laughs> to you try to add in careers and uh, you know the the lingering thoughts of are we going to start a family are we going to have kids you know all that stuff on top of it and uh new place i mean you know just new life basically uh new careers yeah it was tough man there was there was a lot of dark days a lot of tough tough circumstances and um thankfully she she was there for me i mean it was we knew that we just kept telling ourselves when we moved back and we just knew if we could get through those next couple of years, we could get through anything because we were taking on so much. And, um, and yeah, I mean, gosh, there's a lot of, a lot of screaming, a lot of tears, a lot of love, but we, uh, you know, we made it through it and, um, you know, she's now, she's now a counselor with a master's degree and, um, three other endorsements and I have a successful business. We have a beautiful daughter and, uh, you know, a beautiful house. Couldn't ask. We really couldn't ask for more. So we definitely, uh, 
walked into the fire and came out, you know, untouched. So. And <clears throat> I guess through that experience, what was probably some of the biggest learning lessons you have? Like, how did that mold you for your business, her se- herself, and you know, potentially even the relationship now that we're, I guess, damn near five, six years past that point? Well, she definitely has helped me show compassion because I, I mean, I am a sensitive person and always have been, but I was really struggling with business relationships and how to handle employees. And because I was just always, I was always taught or felt like I was taught that, you know, you're taught like a regular Montana job. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You, you don't, you don't show emotion. You're not, you don't get attaboys. You don't, you know, like you're, it's, school hard knocks man you're you get bitched at and you're supposed (laughs) to just perform you don't you don't get positive you know reinforcement and encouragement um oh you need an off day cool yeah 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 the world's changing pretty much yeah so pto is not a thing (laughs) Um, but uh but yeah so i you know i definitely was already approaching it with that kind of you know more hard mentality like is you know like you should just do your job you should show up do your job not bitch not complain and go home and be happy basically and so she kind of helped open my eyes a little bit and try to learn to be a little bit more empathetic and um so i feel like that in combination with uh or that at least opened my eyes to um to the idea of kind of you know constructing business in a different way and then that in combination with um, I was able to be in contact with a few people, one of them being my uh, grandmother's husband, ran a successful granite countertop business as well as many other businesses. And he's the, he's the guy that it's the idealistic employer, you know. He's going around patting you on the back, telling you good job. He's buying all his employees turkeys for Thanksgivings. They get bon- they get Christmas bonuses and you know paid time off and just that that after my wife kind of opening me to the idea of conducting business in that way, and then seeing like one of the most successful people that I've been around do it that way and still be successful and um you know and be able to conduct business in a way that i felt like i wanted to because i wanted to do it differently you know i don't i never wanted to be the guy that had to to step over people to get where i was going Mm -hmm. you know and so the combination of those two things just kind of totally evolved me and the direction that i wanted to head and so that kind of, I mean, like now I, I want to be successful, but not at the expense of other people. And I want to help people. I want to bring everybody up at the same time. I, yes, you work for me, but you're not just an employee, you know, and that's a small business mentality, but I want, you know, I want to give you the tools to succeed and not only succeed, but to one up me. You know, learn from me, learn from my mistakes, learn from the mistakes of my mentors, and just one-up all of us, you know. So that's, uh, that's just kind of where the whole mentality of, of uh, the direction I wanted 
to take game from for the most part. It's funny to say that you said it a couple times, but like that's business of buckets mo, right? right. Like hey, you know when we grew up, we didn't have podcasts and shit that we could just tune into. But shit, we didn't like hey, like, let's talk these stories. Like this is the shit that we went through. We can learn from that. Because at the end of the day, you know, we're only going to be successful if we're successful together. Right. And no one wants to be successful by themselves, right? That's right. probably a depressed person that is doing some hardcore shit, you know, just to try to right. stay sane. Because at the end of the day, like, sure, you know, I want to be successful and I'm, you know, kind of, I guess, I don't know, selfish and wanting to, you know, think that way or, you know, yourself like, hey, I need to be successful, be selfish. Sometimes you have to take selfish decisions. But if at the same time I could help raise other people and I could point them in the right direction, hey, it makes a difference. And as simple as, you know, my fucking math football teacher and coach just like, hey, you should try this. Like sometimes that influence makes a big difference. So that's what we're all about here. So keep fucking tuning in. Oh, yeah. Um, But the one thing that I've been the most excited because I've never asked you this question. I have no idea how it started. Like obviously you're working with your dad. Obviously, you know, I'm sure he helped start the business. You're doing some side projects. But how did biz- or Hammer Strength Construction even start? How the hell does that process even work? Because a lot of people tuning in, everyone talks about entrepreneurship. They talk about starting businesses. But it's like, how do I even start? Do I have to have $50,000 in the bank to even start a business? Because there's so many different, you know, right stigmas on that and right, and different right, right. from an outsider looking in so right. walk us through that process for you and how you really got that going so for me i was fortunate enough to at least that is one thing that i gained out of that experience with my dad was inventory so we had tools we had um you know a lot of the necessary things to complete our job and we had duplicates so when he and i split we kind of itemized everything out and Granted, I definitely got the shit end of the stick and got the the old tools that have been banged and clanged for 20 years. But anyway, it didn't matter. It was a start. That's all I needed. I knew if I I had a framing gun, a trim gun, an air compressor, you know, I I got what I could out of of, uh, our split and then took what money I had and bought the basics of what I needed and then um, just took on jobs that, I could do with the tools I had. I wasn't getting, I didn't have the tools to, you know, build a house start to finish, you know, at the time. That's why I was taking on deck jobs, siding jobs, uh, little things like that. And, um, you know, I got, got hooked up with an accountant and, um, you know, and got, got all my business, uh, licensing and paperwork and stuff in order is that a big cost that you have to pay for what's that process really pretty inexpensive to be honest especially in montana like we're talking hundreds of dollars (laughs) like that's how simple it is and um so i mean like i i know people that have dozens you know of the most freaking just yeah just abstract uh collage of of businesses because it is that simple um you know and that's why like uh that's why independent contractors and uh sole proprietorship and stuff is so common in Montana because it's, it's so easy to obtain. Um, but yeah, that was ultimately, was ultimately the first step. And, and it, it does, I, I would definitely say it depends on the industry that you're in. Um, because a lot of what we do is, is hand tools and stuff like that, you know? So it's not, I'm not out buying skidsters and dump <laughs> trucks and, you know, 
equipment that costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. So for me, it was all right between inventory and surplus of cash. If I have twenty thousand dollars, I you know I have enough to at least get started. And you, I just tackled the jobs that I could with the tools I had, and took on as many as I can and worked as many long days and weekends and you know just basically worked six seven days. How a did week. you get jobs? A um, little bit word of mouth. Uh, so part of it, honestly, was, um, yeah, a little bit friend network and, you know, just people trying to help you out and stuff in the beginning. And then um, I started kind of somewhat just putting bugs in people's ears because, like I said, I was working for my stepdad at the same time. That's still construction-based business, so we're still on job sites. Um, so, you know, I just would casually just tell people, hey, you know, if you – if you ever can't find anybody, I'm never going to try to take someone's spot or, you know, or, or just screw someone out of, of, uh, you know, a consistent, a consistent employer. But, um, but, uh, you know, I was like, well, if someone, if something falls through and you're in a pinch, just let me know. I, you know, I have the experience and I've been doing this and, um, you know, just more just networking basically in the beginning, beginning is having as many conversations with as many people as I could and just, um, you know, trying to trying to make myself memorable. You know, try to sell myself. Mm-hmm. And um, fortunately, basically, once my business kind of started, I haven't had to advertise, haven't had to look for work since. We're constantly busy, and I just I try to you know attest that just to doing a good job and um, providing a good product and hopefully being somewhat personable and easy to talk to along the way but um but yeah so that's pretty much pretty much how it started it's not too difficult and i would encourage absolutely anybody that has you know has an idea of opening up their own business or going for it do it just do it i mean you can't you can't control the uncontrollable and the only thing that the only person you can truly count on is yourself so why not why not put that yourself in that position to where you're the only person you have to count and on. you're gonna fail you're gonna fail <laughs> no I one still just... <laughs> fail all the time you just get used to it and learn how to overcome it and uh turn it into a lesson and that's all it is yeah because i mean you never it's i mean being a business owner is one of the most humbling experiences out there there's no one you can put excuses on absolutely not. And, I, and i think that was huge for me too you know is is it's so easy to take the you know take the scapegoat and try to just brush it off to the next guy and and yeah you might still try to do that a little bit but you're gonna get put in the in the scenario where you're just like damn i fucked up like i i can't tell you anything other than i fucked up when you did the LLC, are you technically an LLC or what? What are you? I'm an S corp. You're an S corp. So when you did that, where did you I've open been up an LLC too? I've been about okay. every form of business <laughs> you can have. But when you started that, did you open up a business bank account? Like, what's that process yep. look like? Yep, yep. Did you have to take out a loan to start things? Was it all I you were lucky in a good spot? I didn't. I didn't. Like I said, I had the inventory to do the jobs, and I was working a job at the same time. So. It was it was just a side hustle in the beginning. It's all right. No everything. business bank account, just your own. No, I did. I started okay. a business bank account and then had my personal bank account. But anything, any side hustle money that I was making in the evenings and weekends, 
uh, was going into that and just trying to build that to the point where, okay, now I'm like, I can quit my job, mm -hmm. you know, like it's going to be a struggle, but I've at least cut enough money to pay my bills for the next couple months, you yeah, know, for sure. And then it's just, you know, I, I, it, I've always felt to an extent like I, I haven't understood why a lot of people aren't successful because I take the most simplistic um, look on it because I just feel like it's all about what you put into it. If you're willing to work your ass off, you're going to be successful mm -hmm. and you're going to thrive. So that's the, the take I took on it. And it was just like, you know, it's no different than sports. I always felt like if you out hustle the guy next to you and did the work that they weren't willing to do, you're gonna you're gonna beat them, you know. And so I just tried to continue that approach. How long did it take doing side jobs until you're able to do? Because mostly what you do now is just building houses, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And we will still like I I definitely like to pride myself because we come, you know, we come from a very, um, you know, a pretty poverty stricken area for the most part. So I don't ever. I like to um, obtain customers from all walks of life. I mean, I, I pride myself in being a product of my environment and really staying true to my roots, you know? Mm -hmm. So, loyal to the soil, man. Loyal <laughs> to the soil. But, uh, so there's no, there's in my eyes, really, like, it, there's no job too, too big or too small, basically. Um, yeah, they might they might be uh, less seem like priority. yeah <laughs> way less of a priority and, you know and, and there's definitely i'm definitely guilty of uh you know getting too busy and not not responding to phone calls or you know whatever it may be but uh but we try to do a little bit of a little bit of everything because i want i want every customer to feel like they're just as important as the next you might have you know I've, i still get phone calls all the time about well, I have a couple pieces of siding that blew off my <laughs> house. And I'm just like, those are the ones where I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to come up after work and just yeah, do it for yeah. you. You can, you know, you can give me a beer or something yeah. when I'm done. <laughs> just, you know, or even down to sometimes it's it might only be a couple thousand dollars and you've got, you know, a house that's hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, and it's, but I, I feel like it's important to stay, stay humbled and, you know, and keep, keep doing those things to uh, keep you heading in the right direction. But how long did it take doing those odd jobs until you were like fully functioning? Obviously you have a lot more different pieces of equipment. You have your full trailer, probably upgraded your tool shed, things like that. But mm -hmm. how long did that take for you? Um, not too long. It probably, I mean it did, but it didn't. Cause mind you, I'd already been doing this mm -hmm. for, you know, five years before I moved back. So I already felt somewhat established i had a good idea i'd already um gotten to kind of go through some of the growing pains on how to do the business um so coming back it was just kind of recovering from separating from my partnership and then making the contacts to allow me to to do it i just needed to get my foot in the door um you know and like i said build those relationships because i had the personal relationships i just didn't have the business relationships um so it, I mean, it probably took, I would say it probably took at least three years, um, to really get some jobs going and they weren't, you know, they still weren't big. It was a lot of subcontractor work and stuff like that. Um, and then, um, and then after that, it just slowly started kind of snowballing. Okay. 
it went from we just framed this house to all right now we're doing the framing the siding um pretty much all the exterior work and then through doing that then a different contractor finds out oh you do flooring and you set cabinets and you can do this and do that too um and then ultimately it led into me just saying screw everybody i'm gonna <laughs> gc it and do the work you know and but i i still like doing the work so that's the thing is i don't ever want to be hands off yeah. i don't want to just be a paper pusher because i at the end of the day i enjoy doing what i do to an extent yes sometimes it's freaking stressful and i'm still like holy shit what am i gonna do when i grow up <laughs> but uh but but uh you know i i get satisfaction out of pleasing customers and you know i'm too far down the rabbit hole now so <laughs> <laughs> hey maybe that's something maybe you got to watch some of these business and buckets well, hey, see hey, these entrepreneurs I, I learn something yeah I exactly learn something. They, they pivot um, you're never too old and i and i do i will say that too i do uh I have never treated my business uh, like this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life either. Like I've always told myself, this is just a catalyst. I know this is what I I know how to do. This is what I have experience in, what's what, I, what I'm comfortable with, what I've built relationships with. So through those experiences, I'm it's going to lead me to the next thing. Like this is what I know how to make money at and soon I'm going to – start to really enjoy what I do. You know, the next thing I do is going to be something fun. So, and I, I think that it's good enough foundation. And once that ball gets rolling, you know, it's, it's, uh, it can dissolve. I don't really care. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about being your own boss, right? (laughs) Yep, pretty much. (laughs) So if someone was tuning in, you know, obviously this isn't a national business. It's, you know, right, in Montana, right. we're in Ronan, right, Montana. Okay. Yep. But if you were just to, like, sell what is Hammer Strikes Construction, like, how would you sell your business? Like, what do you pride yourself in? You've talked about it a little bit. Oh, what sure. do you what do you strive for? And kind of what is the vision? Okay, so our, our slogan is built on quality with strength to last. And that in a nutshell to me embodies everything that i believe in and we believe in is we are just like i was saying with sports and with things like that that's the easiest comparison for me to make business is, and buckets baby is, yeah business <laughs> and buckets baby it's we we go the extra mile i tell ev- every time i lose a bid to somebody i'm always like are you serious did you <laughs> did you look at the line items because, I mean, don't get me wrong. We are far from the cheapest one out there. We're not astronomically high. But you got to compare line item to line item, apples to apples. And I guarantee not only are you getting more out of what we do, but you're also getting a better experience. Because we warranty our work. We, I, I will go to a job site at 10 o'clock at night and fix your problem because you were concerned and you don't want you don't uh, want to go through the weekend because you're concerned with some issue you know and i feel like that's what really that's what really sets us apart is we truly care like it's not just a job and it's we do have more of a obviously uh you know smaller scale local mentality in that sense um but it's just we we truly do take pride in our work and what we do because at the end of the day it's a direct reflection of me and my reputation you know i want to put out a good product i want not only myself 
to be proud of the product we put out. But if I build you a house, I want you to be not only secure in knowing that it was done well and done right, but be proud to to mm-hmm. tell people you have a, a house built by Hammer Strength Construction. And so that's that's really what it's all about is uh you know putting smiles on faces and just putting out a quality product because there's so many shoddy craftsmen out there right now especially in the boom that we're currently still experiencing and how easy it is in montana to get a business license and become uh you know some sort of construction worker there's there's uh you know plenty of work out there and so everyone that has ever seen hgtv thinks they <laughs> know what the hell they're doing uh you know they're the next chip and joanna Gaines. Um, so you do watch hgtv uh no <laughs> i personally don't but everyone in my flipping family does everyone in my family does um but yeah so i mean it's it's just all about building a quality product and something to be proud of so well we'll talk about what your thoughts are on what the boom is today that we're living on but i have some quick hitters that i like to ask everybody that we're going to run through to wrap this up okay so tell us about one of your hardest and darkest times that you've had to push through whether personally or professionally or whatever okay i had just busted out on my own and um just back out on my own with starting hammer strength construction quitting my stepfather um i had a friend of mine i was married i had a friend of mine living with me as a roommate um lit yeah it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my home is a revolving door <laughs> we constantly have people living with us we have people living with us right now um who would that be i'm just kidding <laughs> no. two guy, weeks two this weeks guy, this guy. <laughs> um but anyway uh no it just uh it just was overwhelming it felt like a lot it felt like a lot you know i was a newlywed um and we had actually i just we had found out we were pregnant finally uh made that happen and was that a action plan um it was to an extent like we knew we wanted to be young parents but um it we didn't think it would happen as quickly as it did my wife's family uh, dealt with the infertility so we were mentally prepared that we were just going to be adopting it was kind of a shock but oh wow um but anyway so we ended up getting pregnant had just like really experienced was really experiencing the struggles of um finally being 100 percent on my own because i had had the business with my dad i had worked for you know plenty of other people while still doing my side businesses um but so i was really like just getting everything was coming to the surface at the same time there was uh you know friction at home because you know as well as i do living with people is never easy um especially when you're you know like i said newlywed (laughs) my wife had just brought home a new dog and like all this stuff and uh trying trying to make moves trying to make moves business-wise trying to make moves personally and um and that was gosh i just slipped into one of the deepest darkest depressions i had ever been in and um like i said earlier is i i kind of i kind of felt like i was hiding in plain sight like on paper surface it looked like i had everything in the world going for me and 
I just felt like I was so overlooked. Like, like no one just wanted to say, Hey, like, how are you doing? You know? And so I just, I was in here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, uh, but no, I just, you know, I internalized, internalized, internalized. And then, um, around that same time, my, uh, my aunt got in a, in a car accident and my aunt died. My, uh, my cousin died before he even got his driver's license. And my other cousin was, uh, shoot, he was probably six or seven at the time and he was the only one that survived out of five of them and uh it just was i don't know it's just one of those one of those slumps where it just feels like anything that could happen you know could go wrong when it rains it pours 100 percent. and i now i hate that saying <laughs> i absolutely hate that saying because i just feel like it's uh you know it's all about it's all about mentality and um and I, you know, kind of reconnected with my love for the gym again, and that really helped me through it because that's my stress reliever. Um, also, why we have a home gym now, um, which we're super fortunate to to possess. But um, you know, that's what it was for me. That, in in combination with you know just talking to and relying on you know a lot of other people that love and support supported me but um you know just just found that thing that kind of reset me and and realized how much of a necessity it is like everybody has that one thing for some people it's working out it might be fishing it might be reading a book it might be writing in a journal which i have done my fair share of a lot of people don't know that i write a lot of poetry um but it's it was just realizing coming to the realization that you need to incorporate that thing into your everyday life, your process. Otherwise, you cannot, you can't tackle life. Mm-hmm. On the opposite end, appreciate you opening up there. Who do you want to give a shout out for being their biggest inspiration or motivator? Ooh, that is tough. That is tough. Um, I would say probably currently it would... Uh, and like most impactful as far as you know my my actual business and stuff like that would have to be my mom that woman uh, just over the years has worked multiple jobs has worked in environments where she um, was uncomfortable wasn't appreciated uh, you know may have been underqualified may have been overqualified and uh, that lady grinds to this day and people don't understand all while I mean that that woman is in the office at you know 6 30 in the morning and will some days not leave till after midnight and does side businesses and on top of it she is the most giving loving person to not only myself but people in our community she has done so many wonderful things as far as she has paid people's power bills, put tires on their freaking cars, done so many things that just go unnoticed without expecting anything in return. So that, I mean, that is the person I strive to be for sure. We love you, Shannon. We love you. <laughs> She's not my blood mom, but close enough. Um, if you could simply give a life or tip hack to the audience, what would it be? Um, 
So I would say hope for the work or uh, hope for the best, plan for the worst. You hands down need to always want to succeed, um, but uh, don't be so uh, don't be so ignorant to the struggle and knowing that you're going to fail. It's inevitable. Like you have to take it with a grain of salt and like you said earlier fall forward that's probably the most important thing is always fall forward you're gonna get knocked down 50 100 thousand <laughs> you know however many times life's gonna punch you in the dick but you gotta fall forward and learn from it do you credit your success to luck hard work or being at the right place at the right time hard work elaborate I I have always, well, I feel, um, I feel like luck happens when um, preparation meets opportunity. So I feel like you always work hard. You always make sure you're, you're prepared. You have your ducks in a row to where when your foot does, does get in that door and that door does open, that opportunity presents itself. You don't even have to think. You're already on autopilot. You already know what you're doing. And so I would say it's, it's a little bit of both, I guess, a little bit right place, right time as far as being able to get the opportunity. I mean, we know life is all about who you know, not what you know, as sad as it is to say, but um, it's all about what you do with that opportunity and how hard you can work to make it happen. We talked about your deepest, darkest moment. What was your highest of highs? My daughter being born. That trumps everything. Family is the most important thing to me, and still to this day, I just look at her, and I mean, I I can look at her long enough and probably bust into tears because that is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And he bitched about having a boy yesterday. I did not bitch. <laughs> I just know I'm gonna be a girl dad for the rest of my life, no, which is awesome. Girls all are of sweet. the guys want to have a guy. Or Girls boy, are right? sweet. Girls are sweet. It's just different. Um. How are you able to keep your motivation and keep grinding? Observing. Just looking at looking at where I came from, the people that surround myself like I surround myself with, um, whether that be people that are uh, better than me or you know are at a higher point in life than I am, or just simply looking at uh, you know the people in my community and. Uh, just giving myself a reality check of where I where we came from and where I don't ever want to be, and wanting to be able to um, to just show the other people in my community that okay maybe school you know isn't everyone's option, but that doesn't mean you have to write yourself off that you can't be successful and you can't make it happen. It's um, you know, I just, I want to be able to prove that. And, uh, that's, that's probably my biggest motivation in combination with just wanting to, you know, make my family proud and provide for them. So I always tell my management team, when I come back from here, I probably have the best month of work Talk because nothing humble. I love this place. The views are amazing, but I get very humbled every time I come back. I see the surroundings and I'm like, Oh, yep, that's right. Back to work. Right. <laughs> you know 100%. what I mean? So and we're, I feel like we just kids in our area, just develop this stigma of if I don't go to school 
you know, and I, I don't get a college education, I'm just screwed. Or they already set themselves up for failure and feel like they don't deserve these things in life, you know. So just if we can break down those barriers, you know, as, as much of us that can and be examples for for these younger kids coming up, that's that's what it's all about. Can I say it better myself? Do you have an end goal? Absolutely. I want to... Um, I want to get as much residual assets as possible to where I can I can make the money I need to make. I used to in the beginning it was all about first like you said in the beginning we thought six figures that's, that's all we need to do. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. It, yeah, 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 right? No, but uh, but it's I don't need to my priorities have changed so much after having a kid and starting a family and and um, you know, incorporating that, uh, as well as, like I said, the decisions that I know my dad had to make, my stepdad had to make, as far as being a business owner and having to, you know, not necessarily choose work or family, but um, definitely devote a lot of your time. Even though you're telling yourself and your family you're doing it for them, you you miss a lot, sacrifice a lot. So my end goal is. Um, just to be able to be uh, semi-retired within the next 10 years and um, set myself up, my family up for years to come and be able to do the things like pick my daughter up from school, go to sporting events, go to debate, go to whatever it is, you know, underwater basket weaving. I don't flipping <laughs> care. I just want to be there and be that guy. I don't want to, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Yeah. You know, I don't want to have to compromise one or the other. So, and last quick question is about routine, especially for someone who has married, has a kid. Sure. You have a revolving door of people coming in. Mm-hmm. You have your own workout gym. How are you able to manage all that? Like, what, what do you do? You believe in routine, and what does your routine look like? Um, the biggest thing I could say is uh, marry up, get yourself a <laughs> badass wife that um, can help you, because you can't handle it on your own. There's people that try people that fail there's people that are successful at doing it uh me myself i couldn't do it i couldn't do it without her and uh you know other people around me but it definitely helps i know like i said the gym is one of my biggest things i can just feel myself becoming an asshole and um know that i'm going to make waves in my personal life and not be able to perform in my work life if i don't have that release so whether it's in the morning getting up, I like to um, try to, for the most part, try to get up, uh, you know, get some blood flowing, get your mind cleared to where I don't have to think about work and then just attack the day. Um, that's the biggest thing would be um, would be that and then um, getting the time spent with family. It just, it, it re-centers me and, and just, uh, lets you lets you remember why you're doing it do you have to purpose purposely think about like scheduling that time or does it just happen naturally um i do it does get away from me um it definitely does get away from me like summer is always our busy time and that's always when i drop off at the gym the most so i do have to consciously tell myself okay like i am making mountains out of molehills i am adding to my stress which is not helping me out in any form of my life so I need to decompress. I need to get that gym session in. I need to go hit the river. I need to go, you know, 
do those things and just take a uh, step back and take a deep breath and then um, recenter. And I've always been a big, uh, big uh, advocate for um, one, if, if you're having a day where shit's just hitting the fan, things are, you know, not going well, you're making mistakes, don't compound those mistakes. Call it a day. You're going to start fresh in the morning and be so much better off. Um, and then also taking the time to have fun, go, you know, let off some steam and stuff like that because you're, one, you never get time back. And two, you're just going to reset yourself and come back so much better than you were. Now, that's enough with the quick questions. Sure. I want to get your take as a construction person here in Montana, sure. which is going on with a lot of change as well as the whole world is. For sure. What do you see in the housing market today? How is it affecting your business? Do you have any recommendations? Do you see any different things changing in the near future? Do we feel like this is going to be a long term? What's your thoughts? It's a lot loaded question. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Tell us That's everything. Right. That's all right. Um, so obviously we have this big pandemic thing that's been happening. Um, that has definitely put, um, it's kind of changed the scheme and the timeline of everything a little bit. Because uh, especially for Montana, you know, we're a more rural area. We've got a lot of country and property and uh, not as many densely populated areas. I mean, obviously, you know, <laughs> a, a small a small suburb has more than our our state does. But uh, but they were just talking. I don't even know if it's a legit statistic or not. But uh, somewhere around like I want to say even almost fifty thousand people that they're talking about that have moved into Montana in the last year, which I know sounds astronomical, but um, so. The initial pandemic that that spiked prices that I mean we were already in a boom and then that created an even larger boom but then spiked prices because uh, you know you've got people quarantining you've got mills shutting down man, uh, factories shutting down shipments fucked yeah up. yeah all our yes all our shipments and um, you know are not coming in them closing the border with Canada that's one of our biggest suppliers of lumber. Um, you know, those really affected us to where we used up all our reserves and we've been playing catch up ever since. So that in combination with, um, you know, so many people quarantining and um, and then on top of it, uh, all of the unemployment aid has not really, it didn't really help us a lot as far as um, keeping people at work, you know, when people are making more money sitting on the couch at home with their family. Why, why would you want to go to work? It's like, I don't blame them, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, the job's got to get done. And so, uh, it definitely prices went through the roof. I mean, depending on the specific piece of lumber, we're talking four five, six times the cost of what it was a year ago. Now we're seeing it come back down. It is on its way back down. Um, but it'll never, it'll never be the same again. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, all the manufacturers and distributors, they're running businesses too. They're, you know, they're taking advantage of the situation as well. And, um, you know, so we spiked up to here, it was here. So when we come back down to here, we're thinking we have a, you know, holy shit, we're getting a deal. And they're like, hell yeah, we just made 20% on top of what we were getting. And this is the new norm. Um, 
so it'll, I don't think it'll ever become what it is, or I mean, go back to what it was. Uh, and then I definitely think we're we're uh, approaching another recession. I thought possibly that just the price increase alone was going to cause it. Um, now I just it's it's only a matter of time. Money's too cheap, and um, I just don't think it's sustainable. However, so I think I would say in the next year or two. I would, that's what I personally feel is that we're going to get experience somewhat of a crash and the bubble is going to pop. Um, however, I feel like in Montana, we're definitely more, um, a little bit more stable and uh, it probably will take a little bit longer than other areas just because so many people are moving out of the densely populated areas like Seattle and LA and uh, literally all over the country yeah. um, and coming in that we have all of those clients. I mean, we've got we, I mean, we're still booked out for years, you know, as of right now and can be, and most people are, uh, most people in our area will tell you they can't take anybody on for the next 18 months to 24, you know, um, because we've had so many projects that have just been kind of sidebarred for the moment. So prices came down. So, um, it's definitely headed that direction, but we're still at an all time high. Cool. Well, we covered a lot of ground today. Absolutely. Do you have anything else you'd like to say off the top of your mind? Absolutely. Like, subscribe, tell everybody you know, everybody, your mama's mama, your friend's friends, your girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend, you still freaking hate. Who cares? Send them to business and buckets, and let's get this thing I taught themselves. knocking out kidding. of the park. I appreciate right? it, man. I, I love you, brother. Love you, too. I'm glad we got to do it. Me, we, too. We tried to do it in Seattle, but Didn't we got out. a mountain backdrop now, so. Heck, yeah. Cool.